0: Welcome to Tech at Lunch, the podcast that satisfies your hunger for all things tech while you enjoy your midday meal. So grab your sandwich, tune in, and let's dig in. Hello, I'm Nick. Hello, i And you know we don't have uh, uh, Champ with us. Uh, you know his family is in town visiting. So you know we hope that they're having a you know a good safe time. and, You know are enjoyable. Good thing is is they were outside the range of that tornado that came through North Carolina. So that's a bonus um so you know last week we talked about um preventative maintenance checklist or pmcs and their checklist their variants of so this week we kind of want to get into the management of preventative maintenance you know how, how do i manage you know all this information that's coming back because if you think about it if you're running a shop say you know in the added manufacturing space You know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 printers. You're going to have a checklist for every single one of those. You have to come back and catalog it eventually. You have to manage that data. You have to work with that data. And God forbid if you work in a a robotic 3D printing environment, where some of these cells will have three or four checklists just on their own. So, this week we're going to talk about that. The the preventative... uh, the preventive maintenance management side of you know and how to get all that stuff situated so ed when we talked about the management of preventive maintenance you know
1: what do you think so i'm gonna kind of cover it from three parts so i'm not gonna cover all three parts in this one portion of where i'm talking um so basically the first thing you want to do is you want to have um a good documentation system Mm -hmm. um preferably if you have uh um printed um, documentation. Those things should be scanned and uh, stored. Um, I would prefer that you go to digital use some type of uh, electronic appliance, you know, like a power tablet app. or a phone or yeah. some type of smart device. And that would be yeah, you
0: can use power App and load on yep. back into Power BI and Power BI will do 95% of it for you. Uh, the,
1: the next thing that I would uh, uh, encourage is that you have transparency, so mm. you should uh, have some way to verify that whatever's been signed off on checklists, that you do some type of audit to verify that what you're putting uh, on the checklist is consistent with with things that are on the shop floor or in your print form. Uh, And then lastly, I would set up some type of dashboard. Mm -hmm. I think a dashboard would be really good because it's real-time and the uh, ownership of that could be um, enhanced by somebody being able to see real-time the, uh, the the fruits of their efforts. Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, you know, I th- looked and talked about the um, um, the audit, you know, the of maintenance audit. And I think we can do an entire episode on, on that particular topic. However, I um, kind of want to touch on it a little bit, is have somebody else do it that's not familiar with it.
1: So you that's... Know,
0: have somebody take a look at it. Yeah, Because the thing is, if it passes the sniff test, then you should be okay. And, you know, do that when you're first setting them up, too. Is set up the sniff test. You know, here, can you, can, or the 1,000-mile test. You know, here, can you try this? Take a look at this, let me know if it makes sense. You know, have on there where you're getting their, your data from, because you're not pulling facts and figures out the sky. You know, I'm not saying, hey, I need this to be this many, um, um, uh, Millimeters or, or whatnot, and I don't have any data to back that up. because I'm gonna ask you where it came from, and why am I measuring that? Where, where where is that where is that fact and figure originating from?
1: And that's that's why I say you should everyone should uh, invest into uh, industry four and a lot of the things that you can use. Um, uh, in particular, you know, I I would look at you know having like a unified namespace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would look at having things like one uh, center of uh trust so one center of truth you know so we we know we can say hey this is the standard this is what we have this is what we're doing this is how everything should be set up and then from brownfield to greenfield those things stay the same stay Mm -hmm. consistent um the other thing is is by keeping a record you give yourself the opportunity to uh project into the future with equipment that you may install mm-hmm. uh, later, you can say, "Well, okay, these are some of the things we found." You can also have a good relationship and have a uh, a tie-in with your manufacturers or your suppliers to say, "Hey, here's the things that we're having problems with," and then that can help those uh, suppliers maybe engineer out some of those things that they didn't think about.
0: Or they can send you a senior tech, yeah. and that senior tech look at it. Yeah. And also, if you're building the checklists and you're talking about the audit trail. Um, or you're talking about the five eye process, you know, four eye pro- uh, principle, or even contacting your suppliers. You know, have a check in, check out process. If, you know, I create a new PM, I want to be able to check it in so it can review it, let me know, hey, guess what, this makes sense, and I check it back out and I can use it at that point in time. And have everything dated because then you can send, you can send, if you know you're having an issue, for example, with a printer or in a robot, and you're getting things that are just off tolerance, just wackily off tolerance. You tried everything you can program that thing back to tolerance. You can run a couple test pieces on it, and guess what's back at a tolerance again? You know, you can, as long as you have all that document in your PM, you can turn around and send that entire PM stack saying, hey, guess what? This is how many times I've noticed this. This is what I've tried. This is what we troubleshooted back to the manufacturer. And they can either send somebody to you to work on it, or at least explain to you how to get out of the current situation you're in. Yeah, it's a little harder when you're like, you can't really go to like Reddit for robot. You know, they're, they're, you know it's like, I, I can't go to Reddit and say, hey, guess what? I'm having an issue with this ABB robot. Or I'm having an issue with this FANUC robot. Or I'm having issues with this KUKA robot and this con- this connector. You know, why is it doing this? They, you know, some of them already know. They do have, you know, those forums out there. But then again, it goes back to if you had proper documentation, you can explain that of what your problem is.
1: And then also you can check consistency consistency between the uh, personnel that's doing the PMs. We can verify mm-hmm. that who did the PM, when the PM was done, and that the PMs are all being done the same. So basically, you know, one center of competency with the uh, PMs. Uh, but the PMs should be more than just the checklist. Yeah. You, you should also... Like, like uh, Nick was talking about, you should use um, routes so that if you have line keepers or you have attendants at the line, that they can do TPMs where they can do things to say, hey, every day they do a check uh-huh. visually or, hey, they're listening or, hey, uh, maybe uh, there's a sound they hadn't heard before and they were like hey that, that doesn't sound right or maybe they even see something in the um quality of the part that's coming out of whatever machine so that that's another thing another part of your documentation mm-hmm. you have to documentate uh daily so you everything that's done daily everything that's done weekly everything that's done quarterly and everything that's done yearly and then with those things by keeping a record especially if it's digital you can take that data so kind of like the oil companies with the down down the whole data you have something that you can do analytics on to say hey well it doesn't make sense to do this pm mm-hmm. because we did this pm every month and we never seen it we, we didn't see a failure for this particular pm right. so maybe the pm shouldn't be done every week maybe the pm should be done every three months and mm-hmm. then you can check to see if there is some performance degradation right. over time and,
0: and if you can't afford and the thing is, here's the best part about that. If you have people in the station, use QR codes. Don't have them have a piece of paper. You know, to a them nuts. Have a QR code that they can scan with a phone or, or a TC52 scanner or something like that they've got. And then they can go in there and fill out the survey. That says, hey, I was here at this time. I observed this. I've heard this. This is what's going on. You kind of go through and make sure you get the daily, you know, hey, this is what I checked in this past. This like like that. And if you can't afford um, Microsoft 365 and its full suite of Power Apps and stuff like that, you know, or or Microsoft Word or something like that, you're just starting out, you're using, you know, open source materials, you can use um, uh, Google Sheets or um, uh, Google Forms. Create a checklist in Google Forms, have that upload to a Google Sheet. Then the Google Sheet will do the analysis for you, or at least graph it for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it won't be as predictive as what you would get in like Power BI or you know something, or you know systems or st- systems that are pre-programmed for that application. But at least it will give you a starting point to have all your stuff documented. And the thing is, is documentation helps resale. If you move on to bigger machines and stuff like that. And you have the maintenance documentation, the preventative maintenance documentation on this on this equipment, it will sell for a higher value. Especially if you're using it at the commercial level, because I don't know I don't know about you, but I would not like to buy a piece of equipment that did not have at least some sort of documentation, on it, maintenance documentation.
1: Yeah, <laughs> probably wouldn't be probably wouldn't be wise unless you're the person that's manufacturing that piece of equipment. Right. And I would hope that you have some engineering uh plans and cad drawings and things of that nature it's not just putting pieces together so even in that case you still would have to have some documentation yeah Uh, you know you know current capacities you know voltages and stuff like that so i I would assume you'd have some type of engineering documentation in place for that um I, i would say another thing to consider when you you're setting up these uh preventive maintenance program, say in particular for like when you're doing additive manufacturing, you have to you have to consider um we talked about it before, you have to consider the material, the consumables, what you're what you're printing and the temperatures. Because all of those things could have different um wear um effects on your equipment based on uh, the frequency of what you're doing. So that's another thing with documentation, you would have a way to do that. And then maybe you can set up recipes Mm -hmm. and I know that, Hey, if I'm running, uh, ABS for two weeks, I know to factor in that I'll have to, uh, do, uh, this machine, have to be taken offline for maybe a weekend and we'll do all the necessary maintenance Mm -hmm. and, uh, replace what we need to replace if something wears out uh, but in particular you're probably going to change more consumables when you're using ABS at a higher temperature or right. some of the materials that are more exotic with mm-hmm. different type of fillers in them
0: now the thing is is you know, when we start talking about consumables and stuff like that it's like if I'm storing my consumables in a special room that is climate controlled it's humidity controlled I need to be able to have a PM on that environment yeah. You know, checking that environment, make sure all the readings are correct, have all that pipe piped out someplace so I can see what's going on. Because if the humidity is too high, like a filament storage room, your film is toast. You know, you now you got to dehydrate it all, you got to pop it all back. You know, I understand that, you know, we start getting these higher-end printers, and they're encased in canisters
1: mm-hmm.
0: that are full of decadent and more desiccant and all this other stuff, and, you know, they're inherently dry. Mm-hmm. However, most people starting out and doing that aren't going to be, you know, or people who want to use FDM type of printers aren't going to be in that, in that situation. So, you know, for me, checking the consumable storage, should be another PM and also something that is recorded. Yeah. Because one missed PM on a, on a, on a consumable storage can, can lead to a really bad idea. You know, it's like, if you think about it, if you're storing your nozzles in a certain area and you're using copper nozzles or bronze nozzles or whatever, something that's conductive, and if you add electricity to it, it corrodes. You know, it's making sure those nozzles are stored in a dry area. Make sure they're either sealed, individually sealed, and they're away from water or electricity. Because the thing is, you add both of those together, they start to grow at a high rate. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> Too much black
1: yeah <clears throat> excuse me guys uh, uh the other, another thing that uh, just to follow up on what Nick was saying is uh, n- not only the the storage of that but if we do documentation where we sp- the way we're supposed to and we mm-hmm. use some of those um, tools we we advised for example uh if we used um, forms from google or Mm -hmm. we use the 365 suite from from uh microsoft you know those are some things that we can put in place in conjunction with Power BI and do some uh um data analytics Uh, Mm -hmm. but i think it is important that we touch on like the material that you're using um if you're using that and at that particular time and you're not going to use you should have a long-term storage for that material Yeah, Uh, I I, I would even suggest maybe getting some type of vacuum seal machine to reseal it Mm -hmm. uh, after or if you don't want to do that like Nick said you know some type of um, container that has a desiccant or something that you put in there just yeah because I think those things for long-term storage especially if I'm not going to use it for six months yeah you know um, or if you don't have that capability and you just want to use a room that's Climate control. I would suggest that you do maybe a small batch of prints, um, basically like a a TPM, Mm -hmm. where you can do a first part release and you say, Hey, I'm gonna print, you know, maybe 10 benches calibration square or uh, temp towers or whatever you want to do, and then just do your analysis off of your first part release or your master part that you Mm -hmm. had. To verify that you're in, you're still into you're still in the area that you want to be, as far as the quality that you had when you used the, yeah. the material initially.
0: And with that, what I would do is also make sure you take pictures of that. If you're gonna do, if you do, you know, a first part test, which is highly recommended, is take a picture of it and throw it into your management suite, and so you can always go back and reference that, and you know, you use the four by four squares. Or the, or the measurement sticks, you know, the L things, um, that you throw it in there and you get an accurate measurement on there. You know, I, I think, right, The and the thing is, is, you'll know if you have an issue down the road, you fire off another, you know, square and you see if you've warped something or something's not right. And also, with long-term storage and stuff like that, you can also tell if somebody, if your consumables are walking away a lot faster than you're consuming. So, it's a security standpoint. Mm-hmm. So now you're you know in control of your own equipment, you know it. it it's like PM is not just to make sh- to check to make sure if your stuff broken or not, you know preferably not. You know hopefully it's running fine, but it's also to check to make sure that things aren't being stolen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, um, it's like beds for example. So we started talking about PM of beds and the management of that is understanding what bed has been printed on and how many times. You know, throw it in the rack, and so you can check it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, see what's going on. And then, you know, also if you're going to invest in a full PM management suite, is database most of this stuff. You know, it can be in an Excel format. You know, it can be in an Access database. It can be in Power BI, but make sure that's piped out to something else. And if you are using paper sheets or something thereof, start scanning them in to like a sharepoint so you can keep that for your long-term storage you want to make sure you keep all that stuff because the thing is is if a if a customer orders a part and that part is not correct you're going to go back and you want to look at the equipment you want to go back and look at all the pm sheets and this is why you need the management management suite of some sort that you can create yourself or, or whatever you can go back and check to make sure that all the pms are done See what the last calibration looked like, and understand that okay, cool. Maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was the printer. Maybe it was a nozzle. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was that. And you can actually start doing all that. If you don't have any documentation in play and stored, you have no way to do a root cause analysis to tell you if what's what happened.
1: Yeah.
0: And then guess what? You lose. You lose a customer. You can't say, "Hey, oh, guess." What? You'll turn around and blame the if somebody turns around and blames the customer because they have a bad STL or they have a bad CAD drawing. That didn't get translated correctly. It could be a perfect CAD. It could be a perfect STL. However, if you turn around and <laughs> blame a customer because your machine wasn't PM correctly, mm-hmm. that's on you. And you'll lose that that customer because either A, you just lied to them and you didn't tell what was going on. Mm-hmm. And say, guess what? Well, yeah, we found an issue in our, in our calibration. Let me reprint that for you for free. Guess what? You're going to keep that customer longer. Yeah. Almost guarantee it.
1: It, <clears throat> I, sorry, guys. I, I do think like what Nick's saying is it, it doesn't, if you're invested in the equipment, you should invest into the, the tools that you need <coughs> to uh, make sure that the equipment is, uh, first of all, that it's, it's being maintained. Mm-hmm. Secondly, that it's operating the way that you uh, originally designed it or originally spec'd it out to perform at. Uh, and then, and then I would say, lastly, you you want to uh, be able to learn lessons from using those particular type of of, of equ- that particular type of equipment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes no sense to invest into a printer and say the bed goes out in two months right. because either you failed to do uh, regular preventive maintenance or you didn't have the settings right or you had a setting that you just set, and that setting um, basically was in the, you concentrate everything in the center of the bed. Mm -hmm. I mean, over time, if that's where you heat. Yeah, I mean, so you have to think about, you have to consider all those things.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, a lot of stuff in the center, forget it. You know, it's just, you know, also, if you have a bigger corporation or a bigger enterprise that you're working on, where more than one or two people at this point, Is you know, make sure you have somebody on staff that that's what they look at. That they look at the the trend analysis of your prints, they look at the trend analysis of your stuff. And if you think now, the thing is, if you make the same part over and over and over and over and over again, keep a master calibration copy nearby, mark it as such so you don't give it away. You know, mark on the back calibration so and i know that's something else we could probably talk about eventually mm-hmm. is, is, is calibration i calibrate the stuff but it's making sure that you have a calibration copy in your mind that when you're doing your pms you can take a part off and take a look is this correct is this not correct is this right is this not right does this match yep
1: and and if you like you said, if you if you have that record you have that record that you can take and 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 say compare mm-hmm. to hey well Three years ago, we purchased this particular type of printer, and that was good for our application then. And that that um, preventive maintenance program was well thought out for uh-huh. that. But however, now we've graduated to a different type of printer, or we've graduated to maybe we're doing more than just casual printing. You know, maybe we're doing more robust prints. Mm-hmm. that require you know more time maybe our print time before was six hours now we're looking at printing things that's 24 hours that's that's one of the things you have to consider when you run a, when you run a machine for 24 hours You're right you know or if you are running a machine for 48 hours some prints could take up to a week right. de-
0: exactly. depending
1: on the complexity of the, of the print and it doesn't matter if it's fdm or if it's uh you know one of the other type of uh systems where we're using uh resin yeah but you have to consider those things when you maybe in the beginning this is what we we purchased and this was the item or the part we were printing at that time mm-hmm. however now we've graduated to more of a commercial or an industrial footprint or well, the, the the hobbyist printer is not going to be able to compete with a commercial or industrial printer right
0: and, and and the thing is is with, with preventive maintenance, ignorance is not bliss. Um, it's you know the unknowing should not be the unwilling, and you should always be wanting to learn just that one step more. You know, that's the thing that we that we preach you know on this podcast a lot is is you know always keep learning, you know, and keep moving, keep learning, keep keep you know taking the next step. You know, and the thing is, is so. If you have that, if you have that information on hand, ignorance is not bliss. You should not be blind to what is going on inside your operation. It should be in front of you a hundred percent of the time, saying this is what's going on. If you do that, and you work, and you say you run a print farm by yourself, you can go home. You can see, you can look at all your data, say, okay, cool, this is what's going to happen tonight, and be pretty confident that, that guess what, that's what's going to happen in the next twenty-four to forty-eight hours. But saying I don't know how that happened—that's—I I don't think that's an excuse these days. I, th- I think the ability to have the technology at your, hand, at your fingertips, calibration squares, you know, gauges, all of that software—I don't think the unknowing is not like a formidable excuse anymore. Yes, mm-hmm. I don't think it is.
1: And then, like even even automobiles, just as a, a comparison, it's a little bit different, but. It is a machine. Even with the automobile, they say after so many miles, or after so much usage, things are required that must be done. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with the printer. What you'll learn is you'll you'll figure out the the routine or the, or how long it takes for something to break. Right. And and with that information, um, you can take that information to make a better decision the next time you have to purchase a new piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, you can say, well, hey, we know that this machine is good for running, you know, uh, moderate cycles. It's it's not a heavy-duty uh, cycle machine. Right. So uh, either I spread the load across several moderate-load um, equipment or I just pay the money to pay to have something that's more robust, more industrial. Yes, I have to probably pay more attention to the... Uh, a maintenance on this because it's going to be a little bit heavier equipment. Maybe mm-hmm. some chains, and uh, maybe you have to do more uh, due diligence. No, uh, lo- you know, manual cleanings and things of that nature, uh, lubrication. But it probably can do the job faster, mm-hmm. and it can it can handle the heavier loads if that's something that's required.
0: Right, and the thing is, is you know, as you start getting into the fact that we're getting into industrial automation of additive manufacturing which is the use and i I think that's something that you and me should cover in in a a totally different podcast i think is the use of like kuka robots abb robots fanic robots um uh in additive manufacturing Mm -hmm. you really don't see a whole lot of Mitsubishi robots getting involved in Mm-hmm. Um, of uh, you know, additive manufacturing. yet, because so I don't think they have the parts available for them yet. Mm-hmm. At least not here in the U.S. Um, but a lot of times now, what is ABB really specializes in? A lot of the additive manufacturing stuff now. Um, I think Fanuc is really getting started. And me and John saw a couple people at Rapid using Kukas. You know, the they're not using heavy lift arms, but they're mm-hmm. using you know typical. You know um, uh, typical arms however but that's you know automotive that's the the automotive manufacturing world getting involved in you know added manufacturing so you're starting to get industrial automation and in that manufacturing so with that means your PM environment is going to explode because now you're dealing with okay cool is my lockout tag out work you know' is my PLC online where my are, is the, the environment that is running robot OS,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, online and powering the robot correctly. Does robot see its commands? Does it understood? Do, is my fence in one place? The thing is, is once you start thinking about when you start going outside the box, because the thing is, is you really not even talking about frames when you're talking about the you know tabletop 3D printers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, yes, if you have doors and stuff like that, okay, does the door seal? Yes, that's one. Okay, when you start dealing in, you with know, industrial automation inside 3D printers, you start dealing with, okay, is the gate locked? Is lockout, does lockout out work efficiently?
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, is there any issues and is there any breaches inside my, my my fence around, you know, around the robot? Because now you're dealing with a piece of equipment that can easily, without thinking about it, kill somebody. Mm-hmm and that still needs to be documented the same way you would document a river.
1: And what you may see in the future is you may see hybrid environments where you see a cobot. So basically you may have uh, oh, lower expensive. lower duty robots that um, will be doing part handling. Mm-hmm. So you could probably have a process where a human would have to go over and maybe do something with the flashing if you're talking to an FDM machine. Uh, then the robot can do the same thing like what they do with robots when they're mm-hmm. uh, pulling cast parts or pulling out parts that's coming out of a foundry after they've cooled and they do, they clean the deburr and so forth. So you may see more of that in the future yeah. uh, with, with when I say a cobot, I, I, I basically mean a robot working with a 3D printer. Um, <clears throat> you may also see um, more um, um, things where it may be a conveyor system you may see more conveyor systems where a conveyor system and some pneumatics mm-hmm. uh, with some actuators or cylinders knock part you know push a part off to a conveyor the conveyor deliver the parts at the end of the uh, line to the robot the robot picks them in place put them in the, do whatever uh, finishing and place the parts where they need to be maybe you have some vision system scanning yeah so it, you can possibly have, a lot more, um, things, uh, added once we get to the point where, um, we get a little more maturity Mm -hmm. in, in the 3D printer environment for, uh, processes that, uh, are time sensitive.
0: Yeah. And you know, a lot of times you're talking about big prints, you're talking about like the Cougar arms have the, Mm -hmm. the, the, adapt and the adapters on the end that are doing 3D printing, that are printing FDM Mm -hmm. by long by large spools of, of threat, right. right and stuff like that. That again is something that needs to be watched. You know, it's don't underestimate the power of automation. Um, you know, play with it. Um, you know, I like to tell people that when it comes down to industrial automation, is accept, uh, accepted; it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, work it into your processes. You know, if you don't think you can't afford it, I guarantee you, you can afford it a lot faster than you think you can. You know, we found um, you know Fanuc robots. I think it was what, a couple weeks ago. We found we found used fanic robots that you just meant to probably refurbish which is just cleaning them up. For what, thirty five hundred dollars? Forty five hundred bucks? Something like that. And you have the small what, nineteen nineteens or something like that for Cuckoo the pick and place robots that you can find for, you know, sub forty. You know, in some places, you can definitely get into it. You know, it's definitely available. It's definitely there. You know, that that type of stuff is stuff that you need to, you know, absorb. However, don't forget to do the PM. You know, do your, do your management on there. Understand that you know this is what has to happen. And also, if you buy a piece of equipment, and you know that piece of equipment's on in route, start building the PM process for it already. Okay. Look through documentation. When it comes in, scan the, the serial number or whatever you can into your management system, and then tie all of the, the, the possible inspections to that piece of equipment. And every single piece of equipment has its own jacket.
1: Yeah, asset management is very important. Yeah. You know, not not just for PMs, but for uh, tax purposes also. Yeah. how much So that's, used? That's, that's 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 something that you really want to do in the beginning. So uh, you would probably like have your engineering team um, do do a little bit of homework for you. Just go buy um, yeah. oh, a piece of equipment. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes. In the industry, we we treat equipment like going to buy a new hand drill. Hey, well that's that's a Dewalt, and that's one of the best ones on the market. It may be, but you also have to look at how do how is that um, applicable to my application? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the benefits? What are the pros, the cons, and so forth? So you want you want to do a little bit of homework, and and it's not always a good thing to just cookie cutter. You know, you want to, you want, it's okay to copy, good things, but you want to also make sure that the data is 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 valid, and it all goes back to documentation. You have to documentate the whole process, mm-hmm. and when you're, it should be the same way like when you when you're doing a, an analysis on software. So you did development and you're checking the software, you should do the exact same thing when you are buying hardware. Oh yeah, you you should do a vetting process <clears throat> where you verify. Hey, this is what we want, and it should be campaigns, and all the way through those campaigns, you know, whether you want to use agile or whatever other type of method you want to use, you want to do the same thing with equipment. Hey, I want to check, you know, and verify that when I use, I get this equipment, I, I verify what I needed from it, it's applicable to my application. Now, it's it's it makes sense for me to already have my. My preventive maintenance program in place because I can take some of the documentation from the manufacturer.
0: And the, and the thing is, if you're you know on good relationships with your booty manufacturer, go fly out to their lo- you know ask them if you can fly out to their location and go take a look, or ask them, hey, who has some of your gear on site that we can use that we can that we can talk to. That's better to see what's going on. You know, even if it's a competitor or it's on a forum someplace. Hey, what do you guys think about this? How do you guys maintain them? You know, some people are going to get out there that are just complete, you know, hate to say it, jackasses. Yeah. And, well, it's like any other regular printer. Or it's like any other regular robot. No, two things are not the same. You know, Ed used the analogy about DeWalt. Well, you know, the thing is, is, you know, if your team's, you know, trained on Makita and not trained on DeWalt, and you buy DeWalt, it's everybody's going to because everybody's got the wrong batteries. You know, that's, that's one thing, It's making sure your team's up to date on training to you know, handle
1: the... It, that's an important part the, of preventive the maintenance. If you, if you buy equipment, even though it may be the better choice, but it's too complicated for the personnel you have in place to mm-hmm. do the preventive maintenance, and they do not understand or you do not properly train, then you have basically just voided your PM program. So you should keep in mind the level of technical uh, expertise you have on site when you're buying equipment. Or you should have a package that you uh, put in some things that can do error handling. Uh, Put in some things that, okay, I know this is something that humans are probably going to have a problem with. Uh, Have visual management in place. Uh, Make solid um, procedures. You know, you, you want to do all of those things in the beginning, in the greenfield.
0: And, y'all, me, me and Ed talk from a level of where there's experience there. We've been in a situation of where we've had people purchase equipment that probably shouldn't have purchased that equipment. And no one's trained on it, and it eventually goes to crap. You know, or then they just blame everybody their grandmother, thinking that they You know, don't know what they're talking about. So, you know, we've seen that. And the one thing we don't want to do is people fall into that same trap. It's, you know, understand that, you know, equipment requires training. Even if it's, hey, I'm buying this piece of equipment. It's the biggest piece of equipment I've bought. Can I please send people to the manufacturer for training, see if they have an on-site training program, or if when they send out their senior tech to install it, will they stay with you for a couple days to figure and walk through how do I PM this thing? Walk me through training on how to use it. How do I PM it? How do I work on it? How do I do this? And start a buy-off procedure. We have a white, yellow, and green buy-off and make sure that the understanding of your PM process is in your green buy-off. Yep. That You don't take control of that equipment from the manufacturer until after your team knows how to PM it. Right.
1: I'll give you a perfect example what I mean by and we're gonna keep it in in the the perspective of uh, FDM printers uh, desktop I can get an I can get someone uh, an ender that's already ready to go other than doing an alignment assembly and alignment and then uh, uh, putting your program Mm -hmm. into your printer or I can give someone, hey, go buy these parts, and okay, now we we don't want to just do an ender. We want to take this ender and turn it into something else. Right. So now I've just created a level of complexity that's that's unnecessary. Mm -hmm. I can either give somebody an off-the-shelf solution, or I can give somebody, hey, I'm going to give you a partial solution. And then learn as you go. To me, this is this is always a bad idea. It's it's better to spend the money up front.
0: If you do in-house builds like borons and stuff like that, you know, if you build those things out, your engineering department builds those. You know, for your team members, just train them on it. Have them in a test lab. Have them work on it and see how it works. Have them there as part of the build out to understand how this thing works, and then turn them loose on it you know it's it's not that hard mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's really not but you know the thing is is we hear day in day out that the PM process has failed and it will it'll fail somebody um, I guarantee it um, and then you're in a situation that you shouldn't be in but the thing is is we hope that if you have a PM management system in place the pain will be less likely to occur we'll say so you know I, I think we've we've came to the end I think I know mm-hmm. we got a couple of topics we want to talk about offline you know wanna on a different episode that we'll be talking about um, so y'all are purview to that conversation you know mainly you know we started in industrial automation and stuff like that so, mm-hmm. um, so you know I want to say thank you to every single one of you um, we just crossed 1,800 listeners we're 1,804 total listeners and, you know, I'm looking at the stats. In the last 30 days, you know, we've had 101 downloads, 27 in the last 20, in the last seven days. Y'all killing it, you know, and we highly appreciate it. You know, go check a look at, you know, Vulcan R3D, you know, some of the, the shirts we got on there. We got, well, I promise there's more coming. We'll get around to it. Um, Go take a look at the YouTube channel, you know, Vulcan R Technology Solutions. Some of y'all might be wa- listening to the podcast on YouTube. Do me a favor. Hit the subscribe button. It's one click. I promise you, it's not that hard. Um, you know. Also, if you really want to see something funny, um, go over to you know a YouTube channel called Vulcan R.A. Eats. Um, that's where me and Ed and possibly John are be doing some some nutty things as far as you know going to grab some to eat, you know, and talking about it stuff like that. So you know, y'all, y'all get more candid version of us at that point. So go take a look at that. You know, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for y'all. Um, we highly appreciate it, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you, and you know, hopefully one day we can get together and do something in person, so, alright, you know, we turn it over to Ed, y'all have
1: a good night. Yeah, well, we appreciate all of the uh, support, um, um, we, uh, still encourage, uh, uh, everybody that's listening, if they have any suggestions, or if there's something we can do better, or there's something that we're, uh, totally wrong on, please, uh, leave us feedback, um, we uh, would like to give you uh, good content. We, we like teaching. Uh, we like talking about technology. And uh, like uh, Nick said, if it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be here. So uh, thank you very much There you All right, y'all.
0: Y'all That's all for this episode of Tech at Lunch. Thanks for tuning in and joining us for this tech-filled lunch break. We hope you enjoyed the show. And don't forget to subscribe on all channels. And also, you can find us on YouTube under Vulcanar Technology Solutions. And join us for our next episode, which gets published every Wednesday at 8 a.m. All right, y'all. Have a good one. See you later.